It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number uh, 14. We're going to read uh, chapter 2, verse 14, 15, and 16. It says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Everybody say all. All, all right. You just got suckered into something. <laughs> it says, Do all things. All means all, right? Everything that we do, we should be doing it unto the Lord. Every, every, every action that we make, every, um, every time that we talk to somebody, everything that we do, we should be doing it unto God, for God. Amen? From the way that I obey my boss, to the way that I serve my wife, to the way that I treat my kids, to the way that I treat a police officer, to the way that I do whatever, I should do it all unto the Lord, right? Amen. Everything I do should be done unto the Lord. And if you're not operating that way, you're not operating scripturally. Hello? We don't want that, do we? Don't you want to live according to the Word of God? Amen. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know what a murmurer is? I'm not talking about a heart murmur. Uh, 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 murmurings, this is grumbling, grudging, and secret displeasure. Murmuring. Well, if it was me, I wouldn't have handled it that way. I don't know. If it, if, it, if it would have been me, I would have done it like this and that. You know what secret displeasure is? When somebody can't stand you, but they won't tell you. <laughs> That's what it's talking about. Ooh, they almost fell. <laughs> I wish they would have just hit their face. Knock that smile off just one time. That's secret displeasure. We're supposed to operate without that in us. You know, what, you know what that means? That means that you should not harbor displeasure with anybody. Amen. Come on. It means that you should operate in hopes that everybody gets right with God. Amen. Somebody led Jeffrey Dahmer to the Lord. Come on. Lord, save everybody but that guy. You see, we shouldn't have secret displeasure. Grudging, grumbling. Disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. See, as you operate as the church in the world, the world should not see you have 
secret displeasure towards others. Grudging, right? No, the world should also not see you have disputings. Now, the disputings in this verse, it really, most commentators, you know, take it two different ways. The disputings in this verse can represent divisions inside a church. We should do all things without creating divisions. Amen? Well, I wouldn't have painted the walls brown. I would have painted them, you know, yellow. It would have been a lot better if they would have asked me. And if they would have asked me, then we wouldn't be in the spot we're in. Right? Division. You know all division is? is two different visions. Break it down at its root. Duh. Vision. Just two different visions. If you get two different visions for a, how a home should operate between a husband and wife, guess what? Two different visions will create division. You get two different visions for how a business should operate, you got division in it. You get it in the church, you got a divided church on your hands. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know that there's no hurt like church hurt. I can definitely testify that. If you've ever been hurt inside of a church, you know what it is. And see, and still, the enemy tries to sneak into churches and divide churches. You hear about church splits all the time. I heard the other day about a church split go back the other way. Yeah, not too far from here. Church split some 50 years ago. It was a Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing. They rooted against each other for 50 years. And just not too long ago, these two pastors got together. God called them by prayer. And one came under the other. And they joined congregations with a 100% vote. You don't read about that in the paper, though. But how many of you know that God's probably awfully proud of those two pastors and congregations? Amen? That don't make National Enquirer, though. But it makes the news in heaven. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. This word disputings here, like I said, some commentaries, they, they take it as, as division in a church um, or division in your home. But listen, you can also uh, apply this to yourself. You know that a house divided cannot stand, right? You ever heard James chapter 1? says that a double-minded man is unstable in... You said that word again. <laughs> a a, a double-minded man is not unstable in some things. If you're double-minded on an issue, guess what? It's going it's to permeate into all of your life. If you, if you, you know, wobble back and forth on some issues... It's of God, it's not of God. I can do it, I can't do it, I should, I shouldn't. Double-minded person is unstable in, you said it. You did it again. Oh, an unstable man. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And see, when as the church, if we don't know what direction the Lord's leading us in, we're going to be double-minded. God's called you to be single-minded, single-hearted, to have a pure heart and a pure motive. 
If we're going to be the church in this world, if we're going to be who God wants us to be in this world, we need to not have any grudging or grumbling or secret displeasure in the church, and there ought not be any division in the church, and you better not be double-minded. That's what that verse is saying. You want to be who God's called you to be? It's going to cost you something. You know what it's going to cost you? It's a four-letter word. Especially to your, to your flesh. It's called self. You want to be who God's called you to be? It's going to cost you yourself. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, right? Verse 15. So you're to do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So what we are to do is to be blameless and harmless. Blameless means no faults. No fault means exactly what it says. It shouldn't be once named among you, Paul said. Paul was, was, was getting on to the Corinth church and he said, you know, these things should not be once named among you. These things that the world does, they shouldn't be named among you. If you're God's people, if God's called you out from the darkness, out from the world, redeemed you with the precious blood of Christ, bought you, saved you, changed you, then you ought not have any fault in you. You should be blameless. Are you? Secondly, you should be harmless. You should be blameless and harmless. This word harmless is, you know, a little bit overlooked. You look it up in um, Thayer's Dictionary or Strong's Dictionary. It basically means innocent and unmixed. Innocent and unmixed. Unmixed with what? I think the Holy Spirit probably answered that as soon as you said it. Unmixed with the world. Unmixed with sin. You should be harmless. If you're going to be the church in the world today, if you're going to be a light that is set apart from the darkness, a city set on a hill, right? If you're going to be salt, you should not be mixed. You shouldn't be half salt and half meat. You should be harmless, unmixed, pure, chaste before God. If, if, if your soul is being contaminated by something or someone, get away from it. Harmless, pure, unmixed, and innocent. One of the things that God has called us to do is to be without rebuke. Now, being without rebuke means basically... That you're above reproach. Look real quick. Hold your place there, but look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 22. Keep your finger there. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. You need to see this verse. 
want you to see it with your own eyeballs. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, the Apostle Paul is laying down some uh, uh, amazing groundwork for the church. And what he says in verse number 22 is that you should abstain from all appearance of evil. Being without rebuke means that you are living above board. Nothing hidden in the closet, not even in your actions. You should be living in a place that is above reproach. Then nobody should be able to look at your life and say, you should have done it a little bit cleaner. You should be a little bit, you know, uh, squeaky clean. Everything that you do should be above reproach, abstaining from even the appearance of evil. One of my mentors uh, had a lot of properties and um, one time he said he wanted me to go with him to collect money from, from people one day. And, and, and I wondered why, because, you know, I, I, had, I was busy, or I thought I was, but God was showing me something. But this guy brought me on all of his trips. You know why? Because a lot of the people that he gathered money from were single women. And he lived this verse, abstaining from even the appearance of evil. He lived above reproach, and he never wanted his wife to ever know that anybody saw him alone with another woman. Not even his wife, but anybody. Anybody who was not his wife, he did not allow himself to be alone with. You know what that is called? We think that's called crazy, because, you know, I say stuff like that in some sermons, and people are like, now that's radical. That's actually Christian. People are like, that's some crazy stuff, you know? No, that's called Christianity. It's called being salt and light. It's called living above reproach. Nobody can, nobody can say, oh yeah, I saw them come out. I don't know what they were doing while they were in there, but I saw them coming out. Nobody can say that. Right? I heard another minister say one time, he said um, this lady was kind of being flirtatious with him and and he said, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm married. And she said, oh, it's okay, I am too. And he said, well, you don't understand, I'm married to two people. And she, whoa, she walked away real quick. And he said, I'm not lying, I'm married to Christ too. He, honored, he was honoring his wife, but he was also honoring Christ. Amen? Amen? And, it, and, and whether you're married or not right now, you're married to Christ. If you're the bride of Christ, you should be His. Pures, pure, pure, chaste. Amen? Amen? Reserved to Christ. And so here's the deal. Do you live above reproach? Or do you allow yourself, you know, at least, I, at least I'm not with 20 people. Come on. Whose standards are you living by? God's or yours? Because we can make up our own standards and we can make up our own church the way we, we can do church the way we want to do it. But I want to do church the way God said to do it. Amen. I want to live Christianity the way God said to live Christianity. I want to be who God has called us to be. 
I've lived for myself before in my life. And guess what? I run the boat into the wall. I mess up. I crash hard. I know what it's like to live your own life. But do you know what it's like to be totally surrendered to God and live His life? You see, God has called us to be salt and light in the world today. God has called us to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Abstain. Do you know that that means you might just have to go a different way home? Well, you know, I don't drink anymore, but they cash my paychecks for free, you know, so that's why I go there. Okay, but if you're going to abstain from the appearance of evil and you're telling everybody you're a Christian, you think you ought to be somewhere where Christians ought not be? Well, I don't do what everybody else does at the club. Well, if you call yourself a Christian, you ought not be there. Well, I don't do what everybody else does. Well, again, whose standards are you living by? Yours or God's? Because God never once told you to live by your own standards. God never once told you to do what you think is right. If you can find the verse, show me. But what I read, Jesus said that His sheep know His voice. They hear His voice and they follow Him. They follow Him. You see, we want it the other way around. We want God to follow us and live in life how we want to live it. But God's called you to let go. God's called you to let go, to give it to Him, and to follow Him. God is calling you to step outside of yourself. God is calling you to a place of surrender to Christ. Go back over there to to, uh, Philippians chapter 2. It said that we are to do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Now here's the kicker. This is where the difference is made, okay? Why does God want us to do all that? You know, because I like to do what I want to do. But if I'm going to be who God wants me to be, I can't. It's a choice you've got to make. And I believe every Christian every day makes the same choice. You can get up tomorrow and live for yourself. You can go home tonight and live for yourself. Amen? Well, here in Philippians chapter 2, in verse number 14, it said, Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. And here's where the transition takes place. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, which we live in, I'm not knocking America, I'm knocking the world, but you could include America. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, this is why God has called you to live different than the world, so that you can stand out from the world and be a light to the dark world. But see, if you do what the world does, go where the world goes, 
Talk like the world talks. Act like the world acts. What kind of light do you got? This is why the church don't lead people to Christ anymore. People talk about church growth. All it is is church swap. People swap members by who's got the most happening worship crew and best laser light show. It's just church members hopping from here to here to here to here. But is the church actually growing? Are we actually moving people from darkness, from a path of damnation? Are we actually moving them out of that kingdom of darkness and moving them into the kingdom of light? You tell me. Because, see, that's our mission. Our mission is not to go and try to sneak other people out of other churches. Are you doing is rearranging the marbles. When God's called us to go out and find marbles that are lost. Find marbles that are lost. See, this is how we become light. It's by being chaste, pure, reserved to God, living a holy life to God. That's what God's called us to be. That's the mission. That's the mandate. That's the call on our lives. You want to do church the way you want to, that's fine. But God's church is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. Now, you might be able to choose what color is on the wall, or you might be able to choose whether we get chairs or new carpet or something like that. But the way the church operates is not up to you, and the way you're supposed to live your life is not up to you. Amen. And I love you enough to tell you. Amen. In verse number 16... It says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You see, our job as believers is not only to live separate from the world, to live a holy life, but it is also to hold forth the word of life. A life-giving word is the word of reconciliation. That God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. That's the word of life. That's what you are supposed to tell everybody else. That even though they may be enemies to God, God was in Christ reconciling them back to Himself. That's the gospel. God is a redeeming God, and He has a redeeming love, and anybody who is outside of God's kingdom, God's desire is that they be reconciled to Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you preach any other message or any other gospel, you are out of line. And if you live any other way, you're out of line. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 in closing. In Matthew chapter 18 in closing, there's a passage here that we want to look at. 
about our mission. In verse number 11. See, we are to hold forth the word of life in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation, shining that light. And God's desire, God's desire is to reconcile those that are outside. See, a lot of people think that, that God's desire is, is to big, you know, build big buildings and have nice offerings and things like this. God's desire is to move people out of the kingdom of darkness. The people that don't have hope. The people that are drunkards. And to give them hope. People that are adulterers. Give them hope. What did Jesus tell the woman caught in adultery? You low down, dirty, rotten scoundrel. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You've been caught in adultery? Been caught in drunkenness? Don't look to me to condemn you. If Jesus doesn't condemn you, neither do I. Amen. But go to Him for forgiveness. Confess it to Him. And then go and sin no more. Amen. Don't keep doing it. See, that's, that's how I was raised. Before you go to bed, just say you're sorry. Can I tell you a secret that might help you? Being sorry and being repentant are not the same things. Amen. Repenting means changing. God requires repentance. Repenting means changing. And if you're not willing to change, you're not ready for God. You need to. You need God to break that stronghold. If you're not willing to let go of something, that means it's a stronghold and you need God to break you of the stronghold. If there's something in your life you're not willing to repent of, you better go to God and ask Him to break that chain because it's got a hold on you and it'll take you down. If you keep doing things in secret and doing it in the dark and you're not hurting anybody and you're just doing what you want to do, you better ask God to change you because that's not right. God desires to change you. Save you. Forgiveness is a byproduct. Changing you is the fact of the matter. From death to life. From darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. A new life in Christ. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. That's the word of reconciliation that I just told you about. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. See, the Son, uh, the Son of God, He didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to destroy people. When, when, whenever uh, you know, two of the disciples said, Lord, let's, let's just get some lightning come down and just blast them, God. 
Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because that's not the spirit he came in. When he comes back, he'll come in that manner. But when he came the first time, he came to save. He came to save. And saving means changing. Tell me you're saved and God didn't change you. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think you, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? You know that's what sheep do? Bye. He's not looking. He's not watching. Inch a little bit, inch a little bit, inch a little bit, and before you know it, you're not serving God anymore. I was talking with a pastor this week. He said, this, this generation thinks being faithful to the church means coming once a month. Oh yeah, I'm faithful to the church. I love my... 12 times a year? Really? <laughs> You see, the sheep can go astray. You want to walk away? God might let you. That's dangerous. Instead of seeing what you can get away with, why don't you see how close you can get to Jesus? Instead of seeing how far you can cross the line, why don't you see how far you can you know, get in the center of God's will for once? See what it's like to front slide before you backslide again. Let go. Let go of yourself. Grab hold of Jesus. See where He takes you. What do you got to lose? Count the cost. He's worth it. Quit holding on to sin. How think you if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh the one which is gone astray? See, this is the mission of Jesus. He leaves the ninety-nine because, look, they're the ninety-nine. They're not going nowhere. They like what the shepherd gives. But there's that one... Like us sometimes, bullheaded, do it our way, go where we want to go, do what we want to do, and don't tell me. That one that goes astray, what does Jesus do? Let me tell you what He doesn't do. He doesn't say, fine, go! We're better off without you. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He leaves the 99 and he goes to find the one. And if you've got Christ in your heart and you see somebody 
that's outside the fold, you should be willing to do whatever you can do to get them inside the fold. And maybe, just maybe, it means you living right. Being harmless, blameless, without rebuke, shining forth as a light in a dark world. Holding forth the word of life. Being salt. Rubbing people the wrong way. Maybe they need rubbed the wrong way. To let them know they're on the way to hell. To let them know the only way to heaven is through Jesus. To let them know they can, they can be changed. They don't have to continue to live this way. God can actually change them, remove desires, place within them new desires, place within them new dreams, give them a new hope and a new future and a new life. Only God can do that. Our job is to be the light. Amen? Amen. You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information. And please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith.